I didn't realize when I wrote this story that hard close is a term people have been using a little bit um, to refer to work clothes. Like not- Yeah, hard pants. Yeah. I'm just like out of the loop on that. But that just means, it doesn't mean like in my story that I wrote, I meant like clothes that are actually structured or hard to the touch. But there's the other hard clothes term, which just means like clothes you would wear in like a professional or business casual, <laughs> casual mm-hmm. professional setting. And then there's hard clothes, clothes that go hard in like, a, <laughs> yeah. like stuff that Drake wears, you know. And then there's hard clothes, like clothes that are hard to wear, things that are simply impossible to put yeah. on. How do I get this on? People like the famed, the famous, the infamous three-legged pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I really like about Noah's stories is that, well, this isn't just true of Noah's stories. It's true of fashion stories, actually, is that sometimes when you like when a person mm-hmm. writes like a fashion story that's like you're thinking about it in this way maybe you should think about it in this other way yeah. there's an innumerable number of people an innumerable number <laughs> who will quote tweet it and be like this is the dumbest thing i've ever read in my <laughs> life because they get so upset that someone is telling them that they're wearing the wrong thing yeah. like people get really upset about politics but they're never like you know we endorse joe biden for president and someone quote tweets and says this is the dumbest thing i've ever read in my life they're like this is wrong and a threat to democracy But just the kind of cavalier, like, well, this is just the worst thing I've ever thought of. Yeah, I mean. And you really got a lot of that. It was hard (laughs) clothes story. I thought most people liked it. Um, No, most people really did like it. But there were some people who felt like you were really going for them. Yeah, well, a lot of people have built their identity around, like their whole personality around soft clothes, which is sad and gross and, and, um, you know, I think it like a real reflection of the integrity of those individuals. I think like the the structure and density and uh, texture of your clothing reflects the integrity of, of your actual being. So um, that's sad for those people is what I'm saying. And also what happens to you in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all going to be reincarnated as just like jellyfish. So there you go. I mean, have it, have it your way. And I, I think, um, yeah, I had a lot of friends text me just like hard disagree, bro. (laughs) Sweatpants rule. I think you're, I think you're kind of onto something like the harder the clothes, the closer to God, like, you know, monks, monks used to wear like sweaters knit out of hair, you know, (laughs) just horrible, horrible, scratchy garments that just torture you throughout the day so that, uh, your mind is focused on, you know, higher pursuits. This is uh, Corporate Lunch, the great uh, hard versus soft clothes debate uh, hosted by me. I'm Noah and Rachel and Sam. This is episode 895 <laughs> of GQ's podcast about clothes. Um, it's not uh, fact check. 114. Are- it's 114, I think. Uh, that's right. Yeah, we have an update and a correction to that. It's episode 114. The reason I wanted to write about hard clothes is actually I just wanted to write about Mantle, that brand from Perth, Australia that I really love. And um, it just led me, it led me places as good brands do. Um, even bad brands will lead you places. It just depends on what kind of places 
um, they're taking you. But Mantle is um, just makes the hardest fucking clothes imaginable. Uh, based in Perth, Australia, which is kind of weird. And the thing I didn't realize about their background is that Lars um, and his partner came from like the Comedy Garçon universe and they had this like real high fashion, avant-garde fashion. Pedigree. Pedigree, exactly. And then it led them to making like a really simple, impossibly hard, frankly, quite difficult at times to wear clothing um, and that I've just been obsessed with all year. And so, of course, you know, the easy connection is like, what's it, you know, pandemic is like everything you wear is like, has to be a response to the pandemic in some way. And I'm like, well, I don't know what it says about me that I've been most comfortable in this really burly, beautifully made and frankly, quite expensive um, uh, Australian fashion. And, and so that's kind of, that's kind of where it went. But I, you've worn some of it while we've taped the pod. I, yeah, I've done all some kinds of your of finest things. Zoom tops come from Mantle. <laughs> but they made so they the one piece of yours that they made that I really like is that like waffle sort of yeah. shirt, and that's yeah. that's hard to the touch. Well, so I think like there's a little bit of nuance to what makes something hard and what makes something soft. Like in my opinion, and I think I sort of clarified this in the piece, like hard versus soft isn't just isn't at, at quite as simple as like something that's like stiff or something that's drapey. I think there's like a lot of factors. So that waffle is like super dense and chunky and dry and like textured to the point that it's like almost rough. I mean, it's cotton. It is absolutely soft. It has like an amazing weight to it. It's heavy, but it has these like big beefy exposed seams and this like heft that to me like put it in the hard clothes category. Like it feels good. You could like put your face on it and it feels nice. And like, you know, you could, I don't know. It's cotton, you know, it's, give it a kiss. Yeah. I, I think in the piece you put um, Prada nylon in the hard category, you know, Prada nylon obviously is very like silky and, and sleek to the touch, but it has this like body to it. And it's yeah. very like, it's it, in terms of the way that it drapes, it's very stiff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some people might look at that and be like, what a soft, what a nice little soft jacket out of Prada Nylon. But it really, I think it does, you know, that's one that like you would put in a hard category just because of like the properties of, you know, inherent within the, the fabric. Yeah, there's like structure and density and like, you know, if you throw it on the floor, it like it forms an interesting shape in its pile. I think that there's like, there's all these ways to measure hard versus soft. And then soft is the stuff that's like, you know, like chenille or something. It's just the stuff that like you touch, I touch it and I kind of recoil because it feels like, ooh, that could be toxic or like highly flammable or uh, unnatural. Or it like takes in too much moisture. <laughs> yeah, it has a damp feel to it. I mean, dryness is a, Dryness is one of the most important qualities a fabric can have and is a huge part of the hard versus soft thing for sure. The moisture. I like the, I like the floor test. Like if you're, yeah, if you throw, test. if you throw a garment on the ground and it, or, and it becomes a puddle, it's soft. And, it, and if you throw something on the ground and it becomes like a ballistic tent that you could like camp under in, you know, a tough situation, then it's probably pretty hard. I had some people, um, 
reply to me and say that this this applies to towels, <laughs> which I was, uh, it would be really cool to have a towel made of like canvas duck, like what Carhartt uses for their pants and stuff. But I think what, I think it wasn't about hard towels. I think people were responding. Like, do you ever have a towel that's too soft? Like it's it becomes yes. kind of non-absorbent and like feels right. really kind of gross. And it pills. Yeah. I think that's the, that's where the towel piece comes into play. Yeah, it's like a blanket instead of a towel. So now that Noah is the leader of the anti-soft clothing movement, I mean, Noah, are you going to get into local politics in upstate New like York? soft quality control at Cabela's. <laughs> at the door there's a guy who's just like mm, sorry this is a little too soft you're gonna have to send it back and uh, this is a state employee this would be a state employee i think at the moment i'm gonna use my influence to educate you know i don't i don't see myself um i'm not a lawmaker or a uh you know i'm not gonna run run for office on this platform necessarily i think it's something that needs to be you know uh, not politicized basically you want to let the free market do its work nice yeah and i think because i think like people who give it a chance and give it some thought and like start to apply some of these principles will find i think more of us would more people would find that they're um a little harder than they think but um i, I didn't write this story or, or sort of conceive of this without you know part of me was thinking of the scott sternberg What's the famous New York Times magazine story? Was it on the cover Sweat of Sweatpants Forever? Sweatpants Forever. Um, you know, I think um, obviously, I don't. Do you guys think that sweatpants are the future of fashion? Do you believe in that? Well, I don't think that's what Erino was saying. No, and it didn't really come into. You're right, it wasn't. But people misread it, and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to be wearing sweatpants forever." And actually, what she was saying was that there's like only one functioning part of the fashion business right now. And it's people who are making sweatpants, for example, Scott Sternberg. And he is one of the very few successful businesses. And yet he can't find people to invest in his business because it's doing well. And yeah. people only want to invest in fashion businesses right now. They're falling apart. And I don't uh, think she would say that. I ran into her like a month ago and she wasn't wearing sweatpants. So she, she was wearing her. hard clothes. <laughs> the future of fashion will be sweatpants though if we and you, you alluded this to this in your story noah you know when if and when humanity becomes like wally style blobs i had an interesting conversation about like the future of fashion which is like this tired phrase but like the actual future of what people will wear with william gibson the um sci-fi writer when i interviewed him for a gq story i think i was talking to him about acronym but we got to talking about um fashion and like you know he's he's like the, the the founder of cyberpunk like he has he has a say in what the future holds he's been right about things big things in big ways uh and he's just like a cool guy that's in the clothes and he's anyway when he was he was like for as long as humans have created like fictions and told stories about the future, they've been wrong about what people will or won't be wearing in the future. And like, he had some great references that I won't get right now, but like early sci-fi movies in the future, everyone was wearing like robes and togas basically, you know? Mm -hmm. And then of course, like into the seventies and eighties, it became like body suits and like, you know, like the classic sort of like a Star Trek, you know, I don't think that the real, 
for the most part, clothes, garments, the types of things we wear haven't really changed. And they haven't really changed, certainly not relative to the way other technology has changed. You know what I mean? Like, look at like the evolution of communication devices just as physical forms is like, menswear has like been the same fucking thing for a hundred years and like nothing else is like that. You know, it's jackets and pants and shoes you lace up. Now, if we let things get too soft, it's all, we're, we're going to lose, we're going to lose this crucial history. The cool part about hard I mean, clothes is that like soft clothes, they're available at all at, at both ends of the sort of price spectrum. You know, like you can go to Dave's and get a $30 Carhartt jacket. That's going to be hard as fuck. Or you can go to Mantle and get like a, you know, $1,500 one. Um, there's really no, which, which is to say that there's not really an excuse to not get into hard clothing. <laughs> yeah, it's luxury. It's a great it's value. It's a great value. Hard clothing is always going to be a better value than soft clothing. Inversely or conversely or whatever, inversely. Soft clothes do the same. I mean, people were talking about Michael Bastion's the big boss dog top banana at uh, the old Brooks Brothers factory now. And first thing that guy's going to do is cashmere sweatpants. Or has he already done it? it was that this in the- is actually, this is what I want to talk about, actually. Because oh. I think there, yeah. one thing that's been really bothering me in, in the um, sort of soft pants uh, hegemony that we're living under right now or soft clothes hegemony is that there is so much cheap horrible cashmere in the market and all of these people who are like what's the best cheap cashmere like I see this all the time on social media and people will dm me and say like what's the best cheap cashmere and it's like there is no good cheap cashmere you should just get like a really nice wool sweater or pay the money for a good cashmere sweater and I think cashmere sweatpants just that's it that's i've never heard of something that's such a ripoff like what a stupid idea <laughs> yeah i agree like i think that is like the dumbest i'm trying to think of like a dumber and i can't <laughs> i can't <laughs> um, like i don't know the idea i get i guess i kind of get the idea like it's like ooh, you know like having like uh beautiful silk slippers or something like yeah that sounds pretty cool but like it's a stupid idea yeah i mean Unless i think you're it, marie antoinette it's entirely like it's all in the phrase cashmere sweatpants it's the dichotomy it's the high low it's just it's entirely an idea and in practice isn't really much i don't know i mean doesn't the row make cashmere sweatpants maybe those are nice like I, you know mm-hmm. it, it, but they don't they're not a hundred percent cashmere oh See, that's smart. It's got a little bit. That's what's really smart about them. Yeah. Cashmere doesn't really have the structural integrity for a pant. Yeah. Uh, I also think that cheap cashmere is super duper bad for the planet. Um, I think it is too. It's probably best to anything. Anything cheap is probably something to avoid. Whenever you're like getting the nice thing for like the cheapest dirt possible price. Um, I do really kind of have like a averse reaction to the idea of like clothes that are just going to coddle you that you're just like oh I'm so like emotionally like frail right now I need to just like like swaddle myself in these like soft clothes 
just kind of grosses me out. It makes me think of like someone who smells bad because they haven't been able to like shower for a few days because they can't get off the couch. I just like, I don't, you know, like clothes aren't, what do they call it? Self-care clothes aren't, you're not. Clothes you know, aren't yeah. self-care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, we all have shit emotional stuff to like deal with it, but like to deal with, but, but deal with it, you know? And like, I just don't I hate the well, idea. Also, it's like someone in a rom-com and like in like the first act who's like getting over the breakup and they have to be wearing like gross a chenille um, tracksuit. I mean, it's it's really interesting that you bring that up because I there was a story that I was reading in the Times this week that I really liked about how women are changing the way that they dress. And it's both different they've gone through like two pivots already where it's like all like a lot of women are selling their like work trousers that they would have worn to work and dresses that they would have worn to work and at first they were just wearing sweatpants but now all these women have said like I can't work like this anymore and they found this kind of in between wardrobe but what I found interesting about that was that you know a lot of fashion designers who've been interviewed over the past several months have always said like well putting on like not getting dressed in the morning like doesn't get you in the right frame of mind you have to actually put on clothes and I think a lot of people were sort of like okay like yeah of course you say that because that's your job but I think that that's it actually turns out that that is the case and that many people are realizing that there is this mental you know this this incredible like mental heaviness that is created by not getting dressed or or getting dressed in something that encourages a kind of not sloth but like a lack of effort or or sadness or like that feeling of being coddled in some way that you need to be like comforted by your clothes yeah sadness some clothes are just sad don't wear the sad clothes and especially don't wear the sad clothes if you're feeling sad well i think you could wear like i think if you're feeling sad you could wear like a really sad, like like Rick Owens, like a could make some like pretty like sad clothes, <laughs> right? Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. The emotional should be a little deeper than the uh, deeper than that. I mean, I'm all for it like be empathetic, not like right. That's like, exactly right. Poor you. <laughs> exactly. Not just the, like the tear right. absorbent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this sweatshirt's good for like wiping snot and tears off my face. I think you're right. It, the clothes should be empathetic. They don't have to be a, an exact reflection of your interior, your like emotional state. In fact, they shouldn't be, but they should they should provide the empathy that you need to deal with your emotional state. And you know, I'm not like I'm not opposed to like um, cozy clothes or like putting comfort first. Like one of the things I mentioned in the story is Camber, which is this fucking old American, basically sweatpants, sweat clothes maker. They've been around for like a hundred, they're super, super old. I don't know what they were doing a hundred years ago, but that's how old they are. And um, they have a factory in Pennsylvania. Jimmy Gorecki texted me after he read the story and he was like, man, Camber's hilarious. I go over there and everybody's just in there like smoking butts and joking around and I have to like yell at them and tell them to hurry up <laughs> with the order. But um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, everything is made to order. They don't do any direct. So you have to go to like a website that's like uh, usasportswear.com and you can order camber and you get very like, shitty website, which is like such a great sign when it comes to clothes. Yeah. Such a dope janky website. And you can order camber with a significant lead time. I mean, it's not like you're buying like a new couch, but it's like, I don't remember four to six weeks or something for them to like actually make the thing. And you know, they're sweat clothes. They're, they're soft and fuzzy inside, you know, in that, that next to skin layer, but they're also like extremely heavy and structured. And like, like the first time you put a sweatshirt on, it, it's just like a box on you. Like it, like these things can like practically stay. I mean, they require breaking in, like imagine sweatpants that kind of like are like APC jeans in the way in the, you know, the, the way they're worn. Um, but you can take them out of the box and throw them on and like get on the couch and watch a movie and feel like you're in full uh, cozy mode. And like, that's something I believe in. Anyway, I do think everyone should, I just, I actually did the thing where I wrote the story and then made placed a little camber order for myself. Cause I think I, I realized I needed something. Did you see how Mordecai was posting those pink sweatpants? He's going to get mad if I say this. Did you see that? No. no. What pink sweatpants? Like for the last week, uh, Mordecai Rubenstein, Mr. Mort has just like posted all these selfies of himself wearing these like hot pink sweatpants that just look awesome. And they're camber sweatpants that he had custom dyed somehow. I don't know the story. Somebody should. That's extremely elite. And, and ask him. That. It's extremely cool. Um, yeah, just buying everything in, in white and having it custom dyed is one one way to build a wet wardrobe. Did he post a picture? Was it all just in stories? I don't remember. I mean, there, yeah, I he posted a little. He posted a little reels of it. I've never seen. It. What is reels? It's like his fourth his fourth tile what it on is. the uh, his fourth tile on the feed. Wow. How do you how do you explain the death of? I guess one. I it's funny because um, raw denim is such a good hard clothing item yeah. that has just that just fell off a fucking cliff you know like three or four years ago which which, which you know everyone's wearing sweatpants like you know i think i think consumer uh preference was like bound to sort of sour on jeans that you that that, that just take like fucking forever to break in like but also like raw jeans like aren't that cool but i think i think i guess one way to explain it maybe is the coolest jeans of all time are like the jeans that you see tradesmen wearing on the subway at like 5 p.m., you know, like on their way back from the job site or whatever that are like that obviously were raw at one point and then just have become like so fucking destroyed. Um, Those are probably still honorary hard clothes. Yeah. Rachel, were you going to say something about that? Well, I was just going to say the other really good pair of jeans is a slight bell bottom that's like really faded and like kind of just a little too stretched out. And like the bottom of the hem is like in the back, but not the front is trashed. <laughs> like your heels been stepping on, like stepped yeah. on. Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen, I mean, that was the thing you used to see so much was like the trashed heel from stepping on the flare. Yeah. I mean, that was like, it defined my... I don't know, early 20s or something. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder, Sam, if like we just don't, we just haven't yet admitted to ourselves that like Los Angeles area creative directors ruined so many cool things for us. <laughs> like, 
like raw selvage denim big hats like not fedoras but just big hats which are so beautiful those alexander mcqueen skull scarves yeah can't wear those nope (laughs) and that's all it's all because of these los angeles area creative directors sneakers all sneakers (laughs) <laughs> the Margiela replicas they ruined those for me yeah. I mean Rachel this is the realest shit you've ever said on this podcast <laughs> I, sneakers I think those it, are soft those are soft shoes hard shoes it's all about hard shoes yeah. <laughs> it's something that no one didn't get into in his story but I think I think you know that it's pretty easy to break that down too and hard yeah. shoes are obviously superior to soft shoes Two things, if I can remember them both. The first is obviously, I mean, I sort of danced around the idea of raw denim in this story and in my thinking, partly because I just feel like they're just irrelevant to the conversation. Like no one's out there like giving any thought or care to raw denim except the like the 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 fetishizers, and I'm cool with them. I like the denim fetish. The what is that store? Self edge. Like I think that shit is super cool, intense artisan denim and craftsmanship and and nerding out and all that shit but to me it's just not relevant it's not part of the conversation about fashion or what people wear right now i it is certainly though informing a big part of my kind of like the crux of my argument or what i'm kind of arguing for which is like some things just aren't gonna be really fucking soft when you put them on but that's okay and that in fact is good and it's good because of the like emotional armor aspect of it. And it's also good, and this is the second important point, because hard clothes eventually soften. And that's the beauty. <laughs> and that, my friends, concludes my TED Talk. You know, I think creative directors ruin TED Talks too. Yes, for sure. <laughs> TED Talks ruin TED Talk. That's a big part of this, which is like, you know, all this stuff, all the good hard clothes break down and they like mold you and they don't, they don't just get soft in that like conventional out of the box soft way. They like, they take on a kind of comfort and you might even say softness that's like totally unique and that you can't get any other way. That's why it's important. When I was uh, interviewing the head of Prince Charles Foundation (laughs) about his (laughs) sustainable fashion collection i i asked her what like what was it that, what is it that makes really expensive uh but not really expensive but like you know um the kinds of wool and cashmere and other sort of animal byproduct uh fabrics that they use in their clothes like what makes those better in addition to the quality of like the construction which will make them last longer and she was saying that they just um react to your body temperature in a different way so that they mold to your skin like a really nice cashmere sweater is going to mold to your skin better than a really cheap cashmere sweater um and it also won't get so you know like moist and kind of like droop against your your skin it all comes back to moisture i think maybe that's the thing that we're learning here today dry clothes versus wet clothes hard (laughs) clothes versus soft clothes that's what i call there's this there's this really amazing uh greek designer who designs women's wear uh out of london and she went to central saint martin's and her brand is called dipetsa and her whole the whole premise of her brand is that the clothes are all wet 
(laughs) so like there she makes a pair of pants that looks as if you have peed your your pants just like the front part darker yes yes and then she has these like dresses that look as if you were wearing a dress and are walking out of the water Wow. And all of her shows are just like women who are like all like everything is like they're totally submerged in water. Like their hair is wet, their face is wet. That's I the mean, kind of thing where I'm like, this is who should be making fashion. <laughs> this this yeah. is interesting to me. Conceptually, you should be the new designer at Chloe. Yeah, conceptually, I would say that's extremely good. I mean, come on. Shout out Prince Charles for just like. Obviously, when you're when you're in that position or you're just a royal, they're just like, all right, here's a portfolio of like things you can care about and support and causes that you can make your own. What do you want to do? And like, like some people are like, I just want to be like a rich pedophile guy. Prince Charles is like, <laughs> I just want to like, I just want to be like a like so in the clothes and like support Savile Row tailoring and just wear <laughs> like the steeziest shit of all time. And, and, you know, go to, go to the mat for, uh, you know, sustainable, beautiful fashion. Handmade so cool. clothes. So, so important. cool. It's not frivolous. Fashion isn't frivolous to him. It's serious. It's like the, it's, it's going to save the world. London kind of gets pegged as like a second rate fashion city a little bit, even though it's one of the major fashion weeks. I mean, not globally, it's like top five, anyone would say that, but in the top five, it's more like number five. And I think you could argue that England is like the most important fashion country in the- Absolutely. Of all the countries. And I like, not even just because of like all the traditional shit, but just the um, uh, the younger does London designers, the Martin Rose and everyone else that's, um, I just, I can't think of another. So I, I guess what I'm saying is the fact that like the Royal family is getting behind the, the English fashion wave. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And why, I don't know. I wonder what, I wonder how much like fashion is a part of their like GDP and shit. Like, I mean, I know England funds designers really well. Like a lot of the young English designers, especially in COVID at the beginning of the pandemic got really good assistance from their governments is my understanding. Um, unlike how it went down here in the good old US of A. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because they have like very traditional fashion, but then they also are very um, supportive of these young, really weird experimental designers. Like there's nothing like Di Pezza, which I was just talking about, or Rotting Dean Bazaar, which once just went to a costume shop and rented a bunch of costumes. And they were like, our show is like this person dressed like a taco. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like there's there's not really like that anywhere in in Paris or in Milan or anything. Even the Um, really sophisticated avant-garde stuff. I mean, Craig Green is a good example of like one of the best who probably couldn't have done it anywhere else. Yeah. And Grace Wells Bonner. Yeah. Nicholas Daly. Alexander McQueen, Don Galliano. Never heard of any of those people. Charles Worth, (laughs) Natasha Ramsey Levy. Oh, I think she's actually (laughs) French. 
But what if the rest of the podcast was me just in different poses, like Claire Waite Keller, Anderson and Shepard, <laughs> Huntsman tailoring. One of the one more thing about Prince Charles is uh, when I was writing a story about Anderson and Shepard um, for Jiggy Style last year, I found photos of Prince Charles wearing the exact same Anderson and Shepard overcoat in four different decades. Yeah. <laughs> like he doesn't wear it all the time, but he wears it pretty frequently. Enough enough to find photos of him on Getty from the 70s, 80s, 90s, no, 80s, 90s, aughts, and like 2018, you know, wearing this jacket on his like official, you know, on unofficial business, royal business. Um, so, and I just think that commitment is that commitment to like a piece of to 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 like a, a beloved overcoat and and the fact that it can actually just hold up for that uh you know for that amount of time is is really beautiful you might I think, have had, I think it's safe to say that was a hard it's a hard piece of clothing that's definitely a hard garment he may have had it remade several times but that's no. also the nice thing about an anderson and shepherd coat they just have a file sam you think it's this, yeah it's the same coat. No, Anderson and Shepard confirmed they were like, "Yeah, we we made that for him, and he has worn it since you know ever since he he bought it." So what's since what we delivered it? It is his the age range uh, from which he's owned and worn it, like from his late twenties to the late seventies. I have no idea how old he is. Rachel, Rachel would be better at answering this. Well, what decades you, you you're saying from the seventies to today? No, sorry, he got it. No, I think he got it in the eighties, early eighties. So he was so he was seventy years old when he got it. Now he's... Let's, see. Let's say he got it in 1980 and he's worn it. Has he worn it this year? I think he wore it in 2018 was the last time I found. So let's just call it a 40 year span. Is that right? I can't do math. I don't know. It's getting late. What is that mess? So 40 years. So Rachel, maybe from he was around, he was in his late thirties or something when he got it. Is he in early thirties? He's, he's 70. He's about 70 years old. So like getting close ish to our age, like some of us a little closer <laughs> Some of us, not so much. Anyway, let's just say it's something you buy today that you'll wear until your grandparents' age. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's dope that it still fits too. Like my man's just keeping it tight. Like, well, that's a very that's good. Great. Yeah. What is he doing? What is he? What is he eating? <laughs> he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat lunch, right? I watched like one episode of The Crowd. I don't know. I'm just yeah. <laughs> he doesn't eat lunch. Like, that happens. I did see that episode too. That was kind of fucked up. Because it mm-hmm. it made it made Diana sad, I think, because she wanted she maybe wants. Yeah, she well, she she had a complicated relationship with lunch. Right. Okay. Sorry. He had a simpler relationship with lunch. Area. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I was going to try to say something sort of profound about having something that you wear for forty years and how it probably just won't happen. It's very unlikely to happen to most of us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've always really liked about Emily Bodie's pieces is that you can take them in and get them repaired. Like that's kind of a part of what you're signing up for. Is it really? So you have like kind of a lifetime like relationship to them helping you keep it going? Right. You're basically you're marrying Emily when you buy the piece. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah. You get a yeah. ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that at all. Bodie and yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm sure that if you like needed something mended on one of Evan's pieces, then you could send it to him and he would like repair it for a fee. 
he would tell you to fuck off, but you can okay. <laughs> try. No, I think you're right. I mean, why well, I, I, that about that? I don't know, but like, that's funny. I wonder what happens if you like, like luxury houses do like repairs and refurbishing, right? Like you can bring in your old Goyard trunk to the Goyard store and they'll refurbish it for you and like repaint it and, and like bill you $5,000. Right. I mean, like, mm-hmm. There's some parts of the industry that do do that. Probably not much of fashion does that anymore. I mean, North Face has a lifetime warranty. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, there are a lot of places in every neighborhood in New York that advertise that they'll clean your Uggs. (laughs) Say that again? again. (laughs) There are a lot of places around you're like in every neighborhood in New York that advertise that they'll clean your Uggs. That, right. But you as know we know I'm from the, as we know from the boots episode like a, is that you don't want to get them clean. No, I know. I yeah. was just. You need to keep them soggy and salt stained. Yeah. yeah, don't clean your Uggs. But that, that just blew my mind. Are those signs still up? I mean, for years in New York, every dry cleaner had a sign that said, we clean Uggs. Like, because I think, Everyone bought, uh, for like 10 years, everyone fucking bought Uggs like crazy. And they realized every winter, they just had these salt stains. These, like, <laughs> it looks like their Ugg had been in like a toilet all day. And <laughs> you can't clean that shit out. Like you can't like wipe it off or anything. It's just in there. But yeah. like Uggs, are, are Uggs expensive? It's like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So most people are probably like, you just have to get new ones every year. Like at the end of the winter, they're trash. Right. But then, then every New York city dry cleaner saved your life. Yeah. We clean up. (laughs) (laughs) You think they just throw them in the washing machine? I mean, the funny funny thing is like all the signs are the same. It's like, like a sign that you could purchase like at the sign depot. Yeah, if I were the, the CEO jo- of Uggs, I would I would figure out who's making those signs and shut them down. Yeah, I need people to be churning through their Uggs. Can't have all these all these dry cleaners fix saving everyone's Uggs at the end of a long winter. As much as I love some units, the truth is Uggs are the fucking absolute worst winter boots you can get. They're just suede with like a slippery rubber sole. It's not. I mean, nothing about other than warmth. If you're just sitting, if you're doing your opera, like you just came down the slopes in Aspen and you just want to go sit outside by the fire and throw your Uggs on, but not actually walk anywhere and your feet don't touch snow. That seems like a good idea. But otherwise- Right, if your friends are picking you up. Yeah, you're being carried around the way because you broke your leg skiing, but you still operate. <laughs> throw your Uggs on, but otherwise get some fucking boots you can walk in and that <laughs> don't, look, <laughs> don't look like, you know, they were in the toilet all day. Well, aren't they for like surfers? Like, isn't that the original idea? Oh, they're originally for surfers. There was an après surf shoe and you just stick your sandy feet in after. And so they were meant to be destroyed, I think. Um, But but in a much different sort of environment and climate and by a different abrasive, uh, you know, surface than just like the sleet and slush of New York City. Guys, we're, we're approaching the end of episode... 5,622 of corporate lunch. Um, but before we go, should we, should we blast out some vibes? Should we do 13 vibes? 
This, yeah. Yeah. this podcast used to end every episode with this segment called 13 Vibes, which just really was a, just a life-changing collection of things, people, places, ideas, notions, activities, um, brands, uh, mantras, recipes, all the things that you just need to be a better person. And then lately we've just been so busy and caught up. Personally, I've been campaigning for the hard clothes movement we've kind of let it. But anyway, do you guys have any vibes you want to share today? 13 vibes? 13. My first vibe is Craigslist. I have found a lot of good furniture recently on Craigslist because everyone is moving. Yeah. Noah's moving. Rachel is moving. Just kidding. She just went to Washington for two weeks. But there are some, there are some crazy shit on Craigslist right now. Probably, I mean, I'm talking about in New York, but... Um, you know, probably that's true everywhere too. What is the hookup thing called? Misconnections or dirty encounters? Oh yeah, sorry. I don't mean for, I, I, I meant misconnections actually. There's a lot of good misconnections. Congratulations. Um, the next vibe is, is just, the next vibe is precision. Wow. Precision. I've been doing a little bit of woodworking for sort of the first time with some help. I'm someone with experience and I'm learning how to be precise for maybe the first time in my life. Very difficult. A 32nd of an inch matters. And that's why precision matters in life and in building shelves. Do you just like take a lot of Adderall before you build the shelf <laughs> or what? Oh, I can drink coffee and take deep breaths and, um, you know, I have very good eyesight. So that helps. Rachel, what's the next vibe? The next vibe is Kristen Stewart as the only attendee of the Chanel Metier Dart show, clapping, only audience member sitting alone on a bench, clapping as Virginie Viard comes out and bows for just Kristen Stewart. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> All right. Sam? Um, my next vibe is the book, The Hair with Amber Eyes by Edmund DeWall, um, who's a, a pretty renowned ceramicist. If you really like stuff, like objects and things and beautiful writing about objects and things, you will love this book. It's a memoir about a collection of tiny objects he has. Very are, there, are there any wooden stools featured uh, in any way in this book? Like, because if you are there are tiny wooden figurines that figure into the book, but no tiny wooden stools, as, as not not yet, at least. The next vibe is actually also a book, and it relates to stuff. It's the book of it's a book called Donald Judd Spaces, that is the book of all of Donald Judd's interiors, which sounds kind of lightweight, and um, but it's actually an amazing. So it's like the Judd Foundation in New York, and then all the Marfa buildings. It's just documenting the interior of every Donald Judd space which is marfa in new york i think and it's like the architecture office and the homes there's like a lot of different stuff in it but judd say what you will about his work or his person or his own furniture practice he just had like impeccable taste in furniture and he was like a fantastic interior decorator frankly and just um the book is full of like extremely cool kind of eclectic tasteful thoughtful design and arrangements and whatnot and has been very informative mostly in terms of i've been trying to figure out 
what the ultimate light fixture is. And it's just a porcelain socket, uh, you know, that you get from five bucks from GE in your ceiling with a bulb, bare bulb, chrome dipped. Okay. My next vibe is um, this designer, Adam Jones, who's also British. And he makes, uh, he makes sweater vests out of old beer towels. <laughs> a beer towel is like, an English thing, like it's like what you lay out at the bar, like at a pub. There's like always mm-hmm. beer towels on the bar, on the bar. Is that right? Yeah. But yeah. they have like logos on them. I mean. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know um, if I'd want to, wear that, but it sounds cool. I love a sweater vest right now. Like yeah, I love. Oh my I god! I know. Absolutely the most important garment. Yeah. And a waistcoat. I bought a sweater vest and a waistcoat both on Etsy at a very delicious little price. Mm. Amazing like like hand knit sweater vest situation or like a vintage item both of them were vintage all right i'm calling it this episode of corporate lunch is over um congratulations to the three of us and thanks for listening please um subscribe to the podcast write a review buy a corporate lunch hat on shop.gq.com um send us a of the what is the spotify thing oh my number one podcast guys these guys got a few of those and those yeah. if you don't have spotify or if you don't have like corporate lunch in the top five of your spotify you cannot be on my close friends instagram rachel's close friends instagram is extremely important it's how i get it's how i get all my news to be honest yeah so yeah, and thank you to the people who who have dm'd us their stats and who've listened to literally thousands of, of hours or thousands of is it hours or minutes? I don't know how it's really? calculated. Well, there was someone. There was someone who I don't know if you guys saw this one, but someone who had listened to like six episodes in one day. Yeah, which means that they spent six hours listening to us talk. That's somebody, the kind of dedication somebody probably that we expect. Thank you to the to the diehards, to the day ones out there. All right, y'all. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>